Welcome to the PAL Podcast, the first podcast for parents and caregivers in the performing arts and the institutions who support them. We are Parent Artist Advocacy League for the Performing Arts. PAL, thanks for tuning in. Two kids home, one has their release today. It's bananas. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the PAL Podcast. I'm Nicole Stoddard, a Fort Lauderdale-based artistic director, designer, and theater professor, a national ambassador and contributing rep for PAL, and also a mother of three. I'm thrilled to be your host for the reboot of the official podcast of the Parent Artist Advocacy League for the Performing Arts. When I founded Thinking Cap Theater in 2010, I had a four-year-old, and I remember so well how challenging it was to navigate a professional life in theater with a toddler in tow. And then I had two more children. It was sheer madness. What I wouldn't have given to have had Pal in my life then. But thankfully, Pal is here for us all now. Pal was founded in 2018 by parent artist and visionary Rachel Spencer Hewitt. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Rachel about Pal's origin story, its mission, and its vision for 2021. Rachel, welcome. Let's get started with some questions. What led you to found Pal? My daughter's six now, and I had kept my pregnancy. Um, a secret for a very long time. Um, I, you know, had experienced in my twenties that the industry didn't know how to, uh, support me as, as a, as someone who, you know, identifies a woman and, um, someone whose body was very much part of the conversation with casting. And so when I became pregnant, I knew that that was something that I wanted to keep for myself, that, uh, it was an intimate and wonderful experience for me, and I wanted it to stay that way. So, um, you know, I, I didn't even tell my family or my agents for five months. Um, I was just wearing a lot of flowy tops and leggings. And um, I remember uh, having different experiences, like all across the board. Some people very celebratory, some people really discriminatory. And um, after I had my daughter... I was doing everything in my power to, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps and like do the whole moms make it work thing. Um, and one day I was at a Christmas party uh, for the for the industry and a colleague asked me, so how are you doing? And like a very um, somber tone, like expecting this motherhood experience to be very negative. And when I shared with him, oh, you know, I'm doing great. My agents were really supportive and I'm just making it work, yada, yada. He stopped me and he said, oh, well, you know, that's not everyone's experience. So I wouldn't talk about that. And I was so stunned to be stopped and silenced when I was talking about the things that were going well, um, that I, I went rigid and I, I wish that I had said something clever, but I was just like, oh, huh. And in my head, the first thing I thought was, the realization that my daughter was with a babysitter blocks away in a Starbucks late at night 
where I had parked her in her stroller and changed in the bathroom out of my travel clothes into my party clothes, all so that I could show up to this event like I wasn't a disruptive presence. So I could be seen as a professional so that I could let people know that I was still making it work. And then when I try to share all the work that I've been doing to make it work, I got silenced and I was instantly furious. And um, so instead of following his advice and not saying anything about it, I went and picked up my daughter at the Starbucks after the party and took her to the bar where everyone went afterwards and just paraded her around for everyone to see. And then on the whole bus ride home, all I could think about was then who, who are these other moms where it's, that's not the experience that even their effort isn't working because I realized how tired I was at the same time. And I, I knew I had to find them. So I started a blog called auditioningmom.com and I had been journaling through my pregnancy about the weirdness between the theater industry and, um, and being pregnant and, and being a mom. And I just started publishing it, like putting it out there publicly for the world. And I really expected to be seen as kind of like this bizarro uh, creature talking about the collision of um, motherhood and, and acting in theater. But what ended up happening was I started receiving so many messages from other moms who had experienced the same thing from everything from isolation to um, like identity conversations to um, conversations about organizations breaking the law. And it was such a huge revelation to me that these experiences were um, impacting our field and who could participate that I started to research. And I researched Ma'am Ireland and Pippa UK, and I started to write about them for HowlRound. And in researching and publishing these articles, my friend Jill Harrison, who's um, still part of Powell's steering committee and the founder of Directors Gathering, said, we need something like that for the U.S. We need to support people like that here. And so within four months of her tweeting that, we got together with other moms and uh, launched PAL in New York City, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. And it just took off from there. Um, and it was because I knew that uh, so that we could be making it work, but that even in making it work, the industry was going to find ways to create obstacles to our path if we didn't start to create change in the system and how things were done. So that was the goal of PAL then. Oh, and, and we dedicated the entire first year to motherhood breaking the silence just to create spaces where mothers could share their stories freely. Wow, that's, that's an incredible story um, and a really wonderful journey, especially from my perspective, uh, seeing what this has developed into and what an incredible resource it is. What are you most proud of about PAL today? I have to say what I'm most proud of are uh, the, the people who contribute to PAL. Um, as an organization, we've made our infrastructure the, the first priority of our programming, quote unquote, which is to say that we have um, or organically developed an institution and organization that internally reflects who it says it wants to support externally. And by that, I mean, we've committed to a vertical 50-50 since our inception, where 50% of all leadership levels are um, BIPOC individuals, that it always includes the Black experience. And what we have are 95%, something like that, um, are women. 
uh, trans and non-binary inclusive. And it's as diverse as we say the people are who we want to reach. So what I'm most proud of is that the people who speak into PAL and who develop its mission and who make its programming are the people who understand how important it is. It's, it's moms, it's black and brown moms who are already having these lived experiences and now can have an organization that they engage with that will support them in return. And what I've loved to see is, is the community built around that that we're not an organization of people with a lot of um, power and finances who are trying to you know, do good charity deeds. We are the people who need the support. And so when we create programming, when we have these conversations, we're speaking from lived experiences. And I think that's really important. Rachel, so my next question is, what do you see as PAL's top priorities for this particular year ahead for 2021? Um, our top priorities in 2021 are to continue our emergency grants that are supporting artists with families during this, um, you know, one year later with COVID, we're still being impacted financially, professionally, personally. Um, and our emergency grants have provided over $20,000 in support. Um, and we want to continue that program and it's still rolling out. Another priority is to continue creating content that, um, centers uh, Black and Indigenous mothers. We have our Black Motherhood and Parenting New Play Festival that's launching this spring. And um, our third priority is about gathering and education. So taking these interviews of these experts that have created support in rehearsal rooms, support um, in their organizations, and then providing training for those who want to provide the support. We have our compassion training that we provide organizations on why caregiver support is necessary and how to make it missional. And then we have uh, also classes on how to create um, space in the rehearsal schedule for an artist who is nursing or needs to pump. Um, everything from those personal individual needs to the institutional needs we're creating curriculum for um, and people can schedule time with us. So our goal this year is to see the new standard of care which we uh, published on our site in February, uh, become the national standard. Our goal being, of course, to elevate the standard of care for caregivers in the performing arts and media and to see it not become uh, a niche opportunity or an exception if an organization supports parents and caregivers, but to see it become the standard so that it's more strange if an institution doesn't and that individuals feel empowered knowing what their rights and resources are. That all sounds amazing. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for talking with me today. I look forward to seeing what PAL has in store for us this year. Yeah, likewise. And thank you so much for coming on board. That was PAL founder Rachel Spencer Hewitt sharing the experiences and insights that led her to conceive of this incredible organization. I am Nicole Stoddard, the host of the PAL podcast, and I thank you for listening in today. In the coming months, join me as I talk with more members of PAL's executive team and roll out PAL's Out of the Archive series. To stay connected with the PAL podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. You can also find us on Twitter at, at PAL Theater. PAL Theater.